This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joining us now on the flagship podcast interview, one of my favorite people in college football. Well, in life, because he's just got the passion. He's got the he's got the chops. He's got the voice. Um, the one and only Ian Fitzsimmons. You hear him on uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons weeknights on ESPN radio. He's man. You've seen him everywhere. He's been a, a he was always on uh, Mike and Mike in the morning and he's been a I like this Ian they call you a field analyst not a <laughs> sideline reporter anymore field analyst and, uh, and you are you're a great field analyst for ESPN in uh, college football you you do all the games I saw you at Big 12 football media days let's welcome in Ian Fitzsimmons Ian how you doing man my brother it's good to see you man good, good, good to talk to you again it was great catching up uh, to say the least. And yeah, I don't know when that went from reporter to field analyst. I, I didn't even know they, they changed that des- designation that, until you just mentioned it. Uh, so I don't know when that happened, but Hey, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they, as long as the check clears, they can call me with whatever they want, man. Uh, right. So, and we just got assignment. I got, uh, I got a good one. Week one, man. I got Clemson, Georgia week one. Woo. That's what I'm talking about. Hello. Let's um, go. Let's swap some paint, man. We're almost there. Clemson, Georgia. All right, we'll get into that in uh, in just a minute. But I wanna I wanna get your thoughts before you forget them, which you never would. Um, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> on what you we'll get to the SEC because you used to work at Jocks Radio in Birmingham, Alabama. You know the yeah. SEC as well as anyone, and uh, we'll get there in just a second. But what were your thoughts on Texas at Big 12 football media days, you get those one-on-one interviews with Sark and Bijan Robinson and Keandre Coburn. What, what were your takeaways from that? Uh, Bijan, man, you know me, Chip. We've known each other what, what a decade and a half now. I think um, I always get a man crush uh, preseason uh, on college football, man, and then and you'll find one or two during the year if you, if you have a a team a couple of times, like uh, Devin White, right? What, you know, now Super Bowl champion, captain of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, he was one, you know, three, four years ago. I'm like, this dude, I just want to hug him. I want to take him home to my parents, right? I mean, he's just, he's just it. He's got that, he just that love of the game. Uh, and, and he's a bad A. Oh, yeah. Uh, and B. John Robinson, man, preseason, uh, man crush number one, dude. I mean, I, I think that this young man is going to be a household name uh, come, you know, late October, early November. I think he's that talented. Um, his his backstory is remarkable. I mean, I, I'm sure most of your listeners know, but uh, for, for the ones that, that don't, um, his his grandpops was uh, as a longtime Pac-10 official. Um, yeah, and I said Pac-10. We're going back that that, that late. And when Bijan was like six, seven years old, his grandfather just saw something in him. And he made him start watching Reggie Bush film. And uh, it got to the point where all of a sudden within a week, 
Bijan had washed it all and went to his grandpops and said, hey, you, I, I need more. And his grandfather was like, what? You already washed all that? I mean, that's how just it, the kid was a sponge at, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And he just fell in love with Reggie Bush. And and, and the rest is history. That's why he wears five. That's, uh, he, he, he patterns his game after him. Um, and, you know, and, and his grandfather just kept him grounded also. Uh, but he's got he's he's got an edge to him, man. He's so smart. Football IQ is through the roof because he he, he is a film junkie. But he's got something to him, man. Like we when we stop rolling tape and we just start talking just life and ball. He's like, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about is Texas back? When are we going to get back? I just want to go hit somebody. <laughs> like, yeah, I love this guy, man. So it's that kind of attitude. That I don't want to see has been missing because as you and I were talking over lunch, I think day one at, at Big 12 Media Day, Chip, I mean, this squad's only three plays away from being undefeated in the college football playoff. How you about know what I mean? That? People, I don't think people realize that. They just see Tom Herman fired, right? New coaching staff. Texas must have stunk again. I mean, you know, two-point loss to TCU, a two-point loss to Iowa State, a 4 OT loss to Oklahoma. I mean, that's – you're just a handful of plays away from instead of being seven and three in, in a new regime to being undefeated and and things starting to roll. He knows that, uh, and he and he's out to prove people wrong along with a lot of other guys there. But it all it all starts with culture and then your quarterback. And I think that Steve Sarkeesian, Kyle Flood, Jeff Banks, you know those guys having been at Alabama for an extended period of time, Sark with two trips there, and 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 seeing what it takes to win. And, and then not just get to the mountaintop, but then anybody coming to knock you off the top of that mountain and plant their flag, you're just kicking them right in the teeth. And, and they, they, they experienced for extended periods of time how to be able to not just achieve that success, but then sustain that success. And I, I think sustaining it, Chip, may be harder than actually getting there. Yeah, no doubt. And that's, that's the true appreciation for Nick Saban. And it is fascinating uh, Ian, that two of his mentors, Pete Carroll and Nick Saban, are so different. I mean, in their personalities and maybe they way, maybe the way they go about things. And Sark is kind of in the middle. And what did you gather from talking to him and, and his comfort level at being back on the biggest stage? Uh, he's, he's, he embraces it. He loves it. Um, you know, and and. and you know, on air, he even said as much, but, uh, but off air, as you know, man, that's when you get the goods. Uh, and, and it's questions you forget to ask. You're like, son of a, right. So you're texting or <laughs> calling back, you know, and, and, Oh, I've been and, there. Uh, we all have, man. It's, it's almost every single conversation you have. Like, why not? God, I'm an idiot. Why not ask him about that? You know, and then it comes a text message, right. And you, you don't get the same genuine response, but he embraces the fact that they're they Everyone's kind of, looking at them like, hey, you're going to get your asses whipped, you know, in the SEC. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he loves it. You know, he, he keep talking that noise. Go right ahead. Um, he, he, you know, the, the two and seven against TCU, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. Well, man, you better get used to be, get losing to LSU and, 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 and Alabama every year. Man, who knows how it's going to shake out. But I think Sark absolutely – relishes that opportunity to prove everybody wrong. And look, it starts right out the gate, man. September 4, that is not a cupcake against Billy Napier's boys in Louisiana. You know, Jeff Burris, now the legendary Notre Dame safety, 
who was at Louisiana Tech with his, with Skip Holtz. Obviously, they have the Holtz connection there. Yeah. Jeff Burris is now at Louisiana coaching DBs there for the Raging Cajuns. And, and I think that was an outstanding addition to Napier's uh, staff. I'm, I'm a big Jeff Burris guy. I think he's going to go on to, to, to much bigger and better pastures. But that's no cupcake, man. And then you got to go to Arkansas. Whoo! Let's break back to Southwestern Conference. Sam Pittman's got those guys playing some tough ball as well. Let's go back and turn on the tape from last year. So right out the gate, it is not going to be easy. And that first one is about as big of a home opener or opener in general as there is in college football because, hey, Longhorns, you know, as Randy Galloway used to call you, whiny orange, right? If, if, you, if you're looking to whine, Bubba, uh, and you think you're going to roll right over out of Louisiana, you, you got another thing coming because that is not going to be easy right out the gate. But Sark embraces it, and as does Kyle Flood who I think is one of the best recruiters and best O-line coaches in, in ball, uh, as well as Jeff Banks. you got to have a little crazy coach in special teams, and you and I both know Jeff Banks is a little nuts. Oh, yeah. In a good way. Oh, yeah. No, he's uh, he's all over the place. He's he's high energy. He's Woo! nonstop on the recruiting trail. Um, let's go back to Louisiana for a second, Ian, because you are a college football junkie like myself. And I've said, if Texas gets off to a two and O start, Texas fans should be ecstatic because you have real yeah. momentum. And, yep. and I think people are saying, are you, is that your way of saying we're going to suck? And I'm like, no, these teams are well coached. They're going to be a problem. Um, your thoughts on a little bit more on Louisiana third year starter at quarterback. I mean, they've got almost all their uh, starters back and then, Sam Pittman and what he's doing at Arkansas. Man, like Napier could, could have jumped last year. Uh, I think you and I agree on that, man. He, he, there, there were, there were some opportunities for him to go on uh, to, Auburn, to coach. Right? Uh, that was one. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. that was one of the big, that was probably the biggest rumor out there, but there were others and he, he's, he's being very patient uh, and, and picking where he's going to go, you know, and, and he'll tell you, I, I got a job, right? I mean, I, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, well, look, I mean, if, if, if somebody else comes calling, uh, you know, and, and I think we were all surprised that he didn't, he didn't go ahead and take Auburn, but look, man. And then, then now and then we come back and circle back, right? Saban just signs an extension through what, like 2029. I mean, it's like, okay, well, it may <laughs> make sense now, baby. I mean, and those coaching circles, right? They hear things that we don't, and I and, and clearly maybe he had gotten wind that an extension was coming. It's old Saint Nick in Tuscaloosa, and you don't want to be the guy coaching the other squad. <laughs> so, just ask uh, Gus Malzahn. I mean, he'll tell you. Uh, but man, Nate's boys—they're—they're they're good. I mean, they're—they're they're really good. You know, uh, offensively, you mentioned they have a veteran coming back at quarterback. Uh, defensively, I think they're a little bit underrated. Um, but overall, man, they, they just come in with an absolute attitude uh, because they're in that, that, that G five level. Right. Uh, and a lot of guys, they, they don't, they don't, they don't want to hear about G five. You know, they, they just want to hear, Hey man, uh, we're, we, we, we're FBS. Mike Oresco, the, you know, the uh, conference commissioner for the AAC with the, for the American was talking about that very thing. So um, I'm, and, and, and I can mention bringing Burris over, I thought was a great hire by Napier. And, and I think Burris is going to probably, you know, hitch his wagon to, uh, to Napier wherever, wherever he ends up. But, I'm telling you, folks, Levi Lewis can sling it, man. Like you mentioned, uh, I know that don't look at the completion percentage, you know, it, but right around 60 percent. He doesn't turn the ball over very often, um, and he just finds ways to make big plays and win games. Uh, and they've got depth at running back. They, they don't they don't like to give it to one guy. You know, you'll see, you know, two or three guys get, get a shot to, 
to really tote it. Levi can also carry the average over six yards of carry. I'm telling you, this is not a pushover. And then Sam Pittman, just being a that old O-line coach, I mean, Chip, I can't remember if you and I talked after he was hired or not, but, you know, he, he, when you see an O-line coach also have the title of associate head coach when he was at Georgia, um, that, that tells you how, how respected he is. And when he came over and was a hire as the head coach, I'm like, wow, man, that kind of surprised me a bit now. He was already at Arkansas once. With Brett Bielema, then Kirby Smart hires him to go to Georgia. He comes back, obviously, after Bielema uh, got run and Chad Morris got run. And, and he, he's brought in kind of what we're talking about is Sark and Kyle and Jeff Banks are bringing from Alabama. He brought in a, 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 that, that playbook, that, that blueprint to just build a culture. And he, he's building football teams from the inside out. I mean, they've got, I think I'm if I'm not mistaken. I mean, they got 10 guys back on offense and the eight or nine I'm on defense and eight or nine back on offense. Yep. I mean, they, they are stout and it's all the big fellas, man, these building teams inside out. And so when you buckle that chin strap against the woo pig, man, and you got to go to Arkansas, that is not going to be easy because they will get after you. I mean, I promise you. I mean, think about it, dude. They lost LSU, I think, by a field goal. They went to Missouri and lost by, I think, a field goal. And I think they had one other game, I think it was uh, maybe Auburn, that they lost by two points. I mean, they were in it. And that one was a controversial ending, if you remember, that had Pitt just absolutely furious. Uh, So Yeah, because Bo Nix spiked the ball backwards. That's it. Forwards, that should have been a live ball. That's it, man. So get ready. You know, I, I know Bama trucked him, but Bama trucks a lot of folks, man. So uh, those first two, I'm with you. If you get through those first two games, you should be should be undefeated going into TCU. And we all know the history there against TCU. Yeah, yeah. Then it's time to just handle business. Um, talking to Ian Fitzsimmons, you hear him on Freddie and Fitzsimmons weeknights on ESPN radio. Of course he does amazing work as a field analyst during college football <laughs> season uh, in, in games all over the country, every conference. It's fantastic. And, uh, and Ian, I want to get your thoughts on the move to the sec. Cause you talk about that Arkansas game and suddenly uh, Texas, everyone loves to hate Texas. They're the, they're the Yankees of college football in a lot of ways. And, and people have been piling on because they've been lost in the desert for the last 10 years. And now they got to go play the team that's picked to finish last in the SEC West as they are, uh, you know, members to be of the SEC. Your thoughts on the move to the Southeastern Conference? Uh, money. Just follow the money, man. That's it. It was all about the almighty dollar. Uh, and, and Greg Sankey, I think you and I talked about talked about this a lot in the past, uh, on air and off air. I think that um, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, if you were to have a czar over college football, which I think there needs to be an overall governing body over college football, uh, that needs to happen. It should have happened a long time ago. And and, and Sankey and Bowlesby, you know, and they, they all tell you there is. It's the, you know, the NCAA runs college athletics. They don't run college football. We all know that. They, they don't. That's a fact. Um, but there needs to be when, – when you put it this way, when you have chancellors and presidents, as you know, Chip, calling Congress, right, and, and guys like Colin Allred, who played at Baylor and played for the Tennessee Titans, now uh, U.S. House of Representatives out of Dallas, when, when as he told me about a month and a half ago, when I've got – 
chancellors and presidents calling me going, we need help. Schools ain't college, college programs aren't calling politicians for help, man. You're normally calling them to rip the hell out of them, say, stay out of our sport. But when, when it's going yeah. the other way, there's problems. Um, and, and, you know, Sankey, I, I, I would love to see as an overall czar of college football. I think he would be tremendous and be great for the game. But when, when, when Texas reached out and Oklahoma reached out, of course, he's going to listen and he, he's going to come across as this big, bad, evil empire that has, has ruined and, 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 and just crushed the Big 12. Well, he didn't do it. I mean, the Big 12 did that. And I'm not talking about Bowlesby. I think Bowlesby is right there with Sankey as one of the great minds of collegiate athletics. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's almost like they, it got comfortable, right, at, at 10. And even though two years ago, Sankey told me that they are still the most poachable, his word poachable, of all the Power Five conferences because they were only at 10. And maybe they just couldn't find the right two other schools to come in and solidify their status at, at, at 12. Uh, who knows? I, I don't have that answer. But they were poachable two years ago, and they got poached, Padna, uh, because by all accounts, Texas reached out to them first. Um, and even if that's not the story, if it's not the truth, that's the one that's sticking to it. And, and, and that's what we're going to be told. And I guess that's what we're going to have to believe. But it's not going to be easy. And, and as, as, man... <laughs> as Steve Spurrier is now taking what? How many shots is he taking at Texas? Oh, my gosh. I mean, and, Before, and it's not going to end. Yeah, if you can't win the Big 12, might as well get your butt beat by the SEC, win more money, huh? I mean, <laughs> you know, I guess, hey, if it can't be TC, it's going to be Alabama. Oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's nonstop. And, I, and to shut them up, like what Bijan told me, right? Go win. Right, right. Uh, it, it's that simple. But it's all about the almighty dollar. Hey, I don't know if I told you this before, Chip, or not, but 1995, have I told you what Gene Stallings told me when I was still a student reporter at Alabama? What did he say? I'll tell you the story. What? Great Gene Stallings. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, just, you know, just went a natty, coming off another SEC title. He's about to leave and retire, uh, which we didn't know at the time. But Roy, this all this whole thing started, like with Texas and Oklahoma going to the, to the, to the SEC and, you know, Nebraska going from Big 8 to Big 12 to Big 10. Now, all of this stuff started in 1991 when Roy Kramer, the late great commissioner of the SEC, went and got an independent in South Carolina and then Arkansas from the Southwest Conference, which was getting busted up, and expanded and then, and then had the first ever conference title game. And everyone, including myself, was saying, Roy, you're nuts. A, a conference, you're going to add another, you know, a, a, another obstacle for your team to, to try and win a natty? I mean, are you crazy? And this is pre-BCS, folks, and all that stuff. And he said, it's, it's all about, it's going to generate so much money that we're going to be a destination and, and other schools will be calling us to join our conference. I'm like, you're crazy. Uh, and Gene Stallings in 95, piggybacking off that, said it all started four years ago at the time in 91. And he said, watch, in 20 years, we're going to have super conferences. I went, super conferences? He goes, we're going to, you're going to have four to five Conferences are made up of 14, 16, eight, maybe even 20 teams. And that's going to be the future of college football. And I looked at him like he was an alien. Uh, <laughs> and guess what? In 1995, Gene Stallings saw this coming. I think Roy Kramer saw it coming. I think Mike Slive, who picked up in Roy for Roy Kramer, the late great now Mike Slive, he continued that legacy. And now Sankey's taking it to a whole nother level. Uh, but it's all got started in 1991. And Beebs, Solve this coming, and that's where we are right now. I mean, as super conferences are coming. I don't know if Sankey's done yet or not at 16. I have no idea. 
I don't know if they're going to play four pods or, or are they going to go eight and eight? No idea. Um, but and anybody that does tell you and say that they that they know what's going to happen, whether the Pac-12 and, and the remnants of the Big 12 are going to join up or is the Big 10 going to go get the top six out of the Pac-12, I have no clue, man. None. Uh, and anybody that does tell you that they know exactly what's going to happen, they're lying to you, I think, Chip, unless you know, because you had this whole thing locked, stock, and barrel back in 2010 with the Pac-16. Hey, do you know? Oh, now I'm going to ask you. Do you know? Well, I, I don't think anything's been firmed up, but I think uh, – well, we'll come back on that. How about that? How about – how's that for a tease? Oh, nice tease. I a, like it. Now, now I'm in break here, babe. With um, Ian Fitzsimmons of ESPN Radio. And- this thing ain't done. It's, uh, we're far from finished. You know, and the, the most amazing thing, like what you stirred up in, in 2010, and why it was the number one story over the National Football League, uh, I mean, and I think anything could dwarf the NFL, is because every single school – Coast to coast, every single one of them are impacted, wondering what is next, what's going to happen, where's my team going to be when the music stops. That, and, 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 and that's why it was so big when you popped that story you know, uh, a decade ago, and that's why it's, it's that big now. All right, we'll come right back with Ian Fitzsimmons here on the flagship podcast interview. Don't go anywhere. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Back now with Ian Fitzsimmons of ESPN Radio. And Ian, I think, um, you know, I'd heard that uh, Texas was talking to the SEC, but I thought it was about breaking away from the NCAA and forming uh, a new governing body. Uh, and possibly even a merger between the Big 12 and the SEC. I didn't think that it was just Texas and Oklahoma. That felt like a little bit of a sideways step to me um, from where I think this is all going and what you alluded to. I used to think it was going to be the Power Five, which would be 64 or 65 if you count Notre Dame. Now I think it's going to be less, Um, and that is – it's going to be fascinating to see who ultimately ends up as the haves. And, and I think from a, you know, the TV partners don't want it to be 64 or 65 because that's, that's too much money, too much inventory that they have to pay for. If it's smaller, like the NFL 32, well, then it's a little bit more manageable. And you've also got the streaming giants that are still waiting to, to come in like Amazon and Apple. You know, I've heard rumors that, that Amazon might buy Fox and they certainly have, so does Apple have the money, got the money. to do it. 
So, you know, that's where it gets fascinating because you hear USC isn't happy and USC's listening. USC's the anchor of the Pac-12. And and Fox has to do something you would think. Um, and so, you know, the scheduling alliance with the Big 12 is interesting, but it's not, it doesn't get you over the top. If, if you're one of the remaining eight schools in the Big 12, you want something solid. And the one thing the yep. Pac-12 has that's solid is they're all rights in on everything. Digital, streaming. If you, if you get the Pac-12, you get it all. And, and so that's something to keep an eye on and their, their rights are coming up. And so, but how's the relationship between Klyavkov and the Pac-12 presidents who are kind of quirky, especially Stanford and Cal, who don't really, you know, they see the highbrow academic side of things, not the, the football money side of things, but with this seismic shift from Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC, they may say, okay, we're, we're in. And so that to me is probably the most feasible. I know the big 12 is back to talking about what schools they would add, but are there, does Cincinnati, Houston, central Florida, South Florida, do any, they're not pulling that same, they're not pulling the same TV dollar. So to to your point, uh, there's, there's no doubt. Um, and that would have made sense a couple of years ago and maybe would have saved this whole thing. I don't know if that would have, would have saved it or not. I have no, no idea. Um, but I do know this before we get to the, the future and what's next. Um, I, I, this is going to be painful for Longhorns to hear, but it's a fact that, you know, you used to run this conference, you know, I mean, the one you, you're, you're leaving, you in Oklahoma, that's why you had double the TV money. You know, you got twice as much as, as TCU and Texas tech and everybody else did. Well, guess what, partner? here on the same level as Arkansas and Vanderbilt and, and Bama and Georgia. Uh, but it's all the same in the SEC. It's one cut of the pie and everybody gets the same size slice. Um, and, and that's a fact. And that's, that's something that has said Roy Kramer and Mike Slive and now Greg Sankey, everybody has an equal seat at the playing table. And so if you try and strong arms and try and pull some power move in the SEC, you know what they're going to tell you? Go sit down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, and I, you're, that's, you know, I've, that's going to that's going to be a little different taste on the palate of some of the the almighty the, the the big money guys at Texas. Yeah, and I I think I've you know I've talked to Texas people about that, and they say no, we're we're excited about that because we're going to be among equals. Whereas in the Big Twelve, it was so clear that we oh. and Oklahoma were pulling in all the money that it was like we want to be equals. We want to be in with equals, and so. Now saying that and doing it completely different things, we'll see. But you're right, but, and but the, the future though, to to going back to what you were talking about earlier, man. I I was talking to uh, to Pat Shun, Washington State's athletic director, um, who is is started out in, uh, at uh, at Ohio State before he got his first AD job at Florida Atlantic, where he hired Lane Kiffin uh, to be his head coach, and now he's he's been at Washington State for a few years now, uh, where he had Mike Leach, uh, and now obviously uh, uh, Nick Rolovich, but. Uh, Sean was very honest, uh, and, and look, there's there's not a lot of censor from brain to mouth. I mean, you get him on air or off air, uh, he, he's gonna he's gonna shoot you straight. And so I believe when he says when he told me, um, like right now, patience is the best virtue, because he said if you try and jump and, and make some knee jerk reaction to with the seismic shift that Texas and Oklahoma 
just, you know, that just caused in college football and collegiate athletics. If you, if you'd make the wrong decision and a knee jerk, you know, quick move, you could, you could, it could be worse for you. Whereas if you should just take, you know, as you know, their, their new conference commissioner, as you mentioned, I mean, he, he's showing patience. He's not trying to, he's taking off phone calls, but he's not making a knee jerk reaction right now. And I think most schools uh, are kind of letting the, the, all the dust settle from what just happened with Texas and Oklahoma. And now, and now taking a step back, taking a breath, kind of gathering themselves going, all right, what is our next move? What is best for first your institution next your conference and Chun emphasized several different times in our conversation on air and off air that they're looking at every option, meaning the PAC 12 and his particular institution. But he thinks the best route right now is to listen to what the new commissioner is saying. That is, all right, let's just show some patience here because one thing that they, it's an advantage and a disadvantage. One advantage that the PAC 12 has is they control an entire time zone. They do. And that is something that they have not embraced, right? That they have looked at as, you know, as, as a, something that, that, that goes against them. And, and David Shaw's told me this before, head coach at Stanford and Clay, and Clay Hill at, at SC, that the disadvantage is when you're, even though you do own your own time zone and control it when it comes to an entire, you know, product, when you have a noon kick in, in the SEC or the Big 12 or the ACC, you know, 11 a.m. Central, you know, those highlights are on all day. Whereas, and, and recruits are seeing that, and families are seeing those highlights. You're watching the game, then you're seeing the highlights all day. Whereas, when it comes to the Pac-12, you're, you're, it's just a game later on, and you, you've, you've lost an entire day of recruiting and highlights, which I completely understand the logic there. But I also get what Chun's talking about, and that is we do control an entire time zone. And if they can add the central time zone into their recruiting base and have those games, right, where maybe maybe it's football only, you know, and and you you go about your Olympic sports and basketball in a different way. But if the Pac-12 were to take the rest of the of of the big uh, now the big eight, ironically, right, Uh, going to (laughs) way old school and and join up. I mean, it's on some levels, it does make sense. But again, I don't think we're going to see a quick move. I don't think we're going to see a knee jerk here. I think that you're going to see conferences like the Pac-12 actually show patience. And when I brought that that up to this aspect up to Chun, if you show patience and you wait too long, you might be left without a chair. Right. He's like, that's the catch 22. You know, I mean, if if you you try and sit down and you sit down the wrong chair and the chair breaks, you're screwed. If you show too much patience, you might miss an opportunity to have a seat. So I, I don't envy their positions, but I understand why I don't think we're going to see another move right now, because I think the Pac-12 is going to take a, a big step back and kind of just, you know, analyze everything. Well, in three of the power five conferences have new commissioners who we don't How about know that dude. They don't... How would you like that gig, man? Oh. You finally get your dream gig. You're, you're, you're the, you're the commissioner of the ACC or the Pac-12. Texas and Oklahoma just left. Oh, bleep. Right, <laughs> right. How good are my relationships with my presidents? How much do they trust me? Because yeah. that's that's huge and, in this. Hey, look, and Chip, go back to 91. Like we were talking about with Roy Kramer, who started all this, right? You know who some of the teams were that he invited first, and they said, no, man, we don't want any part of that. Florida State was one of them. Texas was another. Yeah. 
Texas was invited in 1991. They said, no, man, we're good. And AM was another one in 1991. AM finally, eventually, obviously went nine years ago. And where's Texas now? All these years later, <laughs> they, they were Roy Kramer invited them to be back in 1991. Yeah. And everyone forgets this, but it was Jim Delaney who set off realignment in 2010 when he said, we're looking at expansion with the sole purpose of trying to get Notre Dame there. They were struggling under Charlie Weiss. The note, the NBC contract wasn't valuable in, in Delaney's eyes. And he thought he could sway Notre Dame, but there's no swaying Notre Dame. It ended up, remember it was, uh, the senator from Missouri who said, take us, take us, that D-State oh, yeah. is the Big 12. And that's what led to the, the conversations with the Pac-10 and ultimately the movement that we saw with Nebraska to the Big 10, Colorado to the Pac-12 and ultimately A&M in Missouri. And, and here's the Big 10 now with Mike Warren, who sort of, alienated the other commissioners he didn't sort of he did alienate sort of i was just saying like, the did. way that he handled the COVID 19 they said they were all going to talk to each other we're not going to make any moves without each other and then he like that was on a conference call that morning and then later that afternoon the big 10 is is like we're done with fall football and yeah that that, that rubbed all of them the wrong way he, he was trying to be first and right you know guess what you were first but wrong yeah. Uh, and Kevin Warren just, I, I was, I mean, he's still kind of recovering from that. But yeah, if you're Jim Phillips, I mean, new, new commissioner of the ACC, you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, but here's the thing I think, the, I don't think the, I think the ACC is set, man. Their, their grant of rights is to like 2036. Yeah, 36. You know, I mean, that's a big difference compared to 2025. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't they're think watching, the they're watching this, Ian. They're watching Texas and Oklahoma and how they navigate a grant of rights break to see. What's going on? Because Dabo Sweeney has said some interesting things that lead you to believe he knows that we're headed to a, a super conference. And I'm not sure it's going to be four. It, it may be one. Um, and I'm sure that there's been feelers put out because when you bring in Texas and Oklahoma, just like Kramer, you know, you quoted Kramer back in 91, it the SEC becomes the destination. Suddenly yep. – USC yeah. is looking around going, now, who am I Who am I dancing with here? Well, here's the other thing, Chip. I mean, like, what does Notre Dame do, man? You brought, you brought up the Irish, right? And Jim Delaney trying to get them into the Big Ten. Well, now they've aligned themselves with the ACC, not even the Big Ten. But what do they do? Because they're, they're pulling in off that NBC contract. If I'm not mistaken, you, you might know this, but uh, the, the exact number. But they're making less money than the Big Ten is. Big Ten schools, for, for their cut of the Big Ten network and their, their TV deal, they're making less money than the SEC, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what I think, I think the SEC in a pandemic, each school got either 45 or 48 million dollars from their grant of rights for from their media deals, from the SEC network and all TV deals. I mean, that's, that's crazy, man. And Notre Dame, that's the arrogance of Notre Dame. Texas has that arrogance, had that with Daddy DeLos Dodds, right? I mean, they they controlled a conference. But they, they, they just checked the ego to go be like everybody else in the SEC. Will Notre Dame eventually do that? Because I think that these new TV deals are going to dwarf what they pull from NBC. So then what, at some point, does Notre Dame have to check their arrogance, their ego out the door, 
and finally sign up with a conference. Yeah. Yeah. Cause their deal with NBC is coming up. Um, uh, Ian Fitzsimmons. I, I, I love talking ball with my man, Ian Fitzsimmons. Um, but Ian, I do want to get your thoughts before I let you go on the big 12 race this season. You've had a chance after being at, at big 12 media days to listen to the coaches. Uh, give me your thoughts on, on what's real. What's who, who are the, the contenders and the pretenders in the big. It's wide open coach. I, I'm, I, I was excited to watch this uh, all unfold. And now it's, and now you have a little animosity uh, even added to Oklahoma and Texas, a few little elbows dropped here or there, right? At the bottom of piles, who knows, man, but I think it's Oklahoma out in front, um, you know, hands down. I think it's Oklahoma out in front. Uh, and in Iowa state, man, I, I I'm such a Matt Campbell fan. I mean, I, 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 I wish I, you know, if, if I didn't have two daughters and had two boys, they'd go play for Matty Campbell. I mean, he, what he's done there, and he's stuck and stayed. Yep. I mean, that means that's it's remarkable as well. We're talking about Billy Napier to start this conversation. Matt Campbell's in that same category with what, you know, he, he's decided to stick around a lot longer than a lot of us thought he would at Iowa State. But they're legit. I mean, they've got 47 damn starters back, it feels like. I mean, it's basically the entire team that came back and, and, and almost won the Big 12 last year. Uh, it all starts with quarterback. Obviously, they've got a, a you know experience here. Both of those teams that both have experience at the most important position in all of football at any level. And then I think you got a group uh, that that's behind them: Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State. You know, West Virginia's got a lot of guys back as well. But uh, and then you know, I, look, maybe I'm an idiot here, but I think Maddie Wells is got is going to be sneaky good at Texas Tech. I think they're a seven, maybe an eight win team. Out there in Lubbock. I mean, they've got he's talked about they have to get old. Well, they 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 they've used the transfer portal as well as anyone. And Tyler Shuck is a is a very good quarterback coming over from Oregon. And things got crossed there, from what I understand, between he and Mario Cristobal, the you know, Oregon head coach, and that's why he ended up transferring even after starting most of the season last year. Uh we we saw him play at Oregon, man. He can flat out sling it. So I think that you know, you have Oklahoma, Texas, and then you have another level of excuse me, Oklahoma, Iowa State, then they think you have Texas, TCU, Okie State, and then, you know, West Virginia and Texas Tech, it's not going to be easy. I think the Big 12 is extremely deep this year with only a couple of, of, of squads. You can just say, yeah, pencil that W in. Kansas obviously being one of them, maybe even Baylor. Um, and I, I'm a Dave Aranda guy, but he has to kind of come out of his comfort zone a little bit because he's such an introvert uh, and, and so cerebral. But when it comes to the top, it's Oklahoma and Iowa State, man, to me, and it's clear. But I'll tell you this, if if Texas can get past those first two, and then you have, I think, Texas Tech week four at TCU week five, uh, man, you, 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 you get by Texas Tech as well, that game against TCU is going to be massive with, uh, with, with, uh, with the Sooners on the horizon. But those first, I'm telling you, in this conference, those first two for Texas might be as big uh, as, to, as to defining a season as any two out the gate for any squad, not just in the Big 12, but maybe, maybe in the entire country. Ian, I'm so glad you said that because I think people have looked at me like I have three heads. Uh, Come on, are you serious? I'm saying that. I know, I know. I think that's the you know, that's a little bit of the entitlement of Texas fans thinking they're, they're better than where they are. Now you said it, they were close last year. They, if, you know, if yeah. 
Ingram doesn't extend the ball on first and goal and fumble it with three minutes left against TCU. They win that game. They, they, you know, four overtimes with OU. They led Iowa State by 10 in the third quarter until they started going for fake punts and fourth downs. And, and so, you know, it feels close, but those first two games under a new staff, you don't know what you have leadership wise until you face adversity. They're going to face adversity in those first two games. And we'll see what. Oh, he'll get punched in the mouth, man. It's just a yeah. matter of, is it going to be like Bijan was talking about, right? And Bijan Robinson, you know, let's go hit somebody. Let's yeah. just go win, right? Let's go. And he, I mean, he's so, I'm telling you, I'm, as preseason man crush number one, it's hands down, coach. I love I mean, it. this dude's like, we just got to win the next rep, then win the next snap. <laughs> And when the next series of downs, I'm looking at this kid going, how old are you? Yeah. Are you going to be a, are you going to be a coach? I mean, this kid, I love him. I absolutely love him. And if that attitude is bleeding over to everybody else, you know, then, then when they do get punched in the mouth by Louisiana, when they do get, you know, their teeth knocked in at Arkansas, they're going to hit back. Um, and it's just about, look, and that, that's when things start to, to the snowball, man, you know, when you do get tested and you find a way to overcome that adversity and find a way to win one of those games that you were in a spot that all of a sudden you thought you, you'd lost and you find a way to win, that goes a hell of a long way, especially with a new staff trying to bring that winning culture in from Alabama. That goes a long way. But I can't believe people are just going saying, oh, Louisiana, Arkansas, we're 2-0. You're nuts if you yeah. think it's going to be that easy. Yeah. Ian Fitzsimmons, ladies and gentlemen. That's why you got to listen to him every night on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio. You enjoying that gig? Because you've. Oh, yeah, man. Come on. Freddie's great. You know, I mean, you know, you, you know the, the problem is we're clearing like 450 channels, man. That's way too many people here in my stupid ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick, before, before you turn me loose, I got to ask you one, man. The quarterback, yeah. who, who's got the advantage down there? Is it Hudson? Is it Casey? How's it looking? I mean, Hudson Card throws as pretty a ball as you'll ever see. And I think, you know, with that accuracy, you, it's hard not to see him as the guy eventually. The question is, is it week one? I mean, do you, do you play your veteran guy who's understandably learning his third offense in three years, KC Thompson, who grinds? I mean, that kid's a grinder. Every, the odds have been stacked against him since he came from Oklahoma the son of a former Oklahoma quarterback star to Texas and has had to battle two Austin uh, stud quarterback right. to, to become the guy he he's got thick skin. He's, he's been through it and he's, he's played and he's six, six touchdowns, no picks, 71% completion. Do you start him week one and, and maybe week two, and then see where things are. And if it's not what you thought, then you put Hudson card in against rice and tech and, and give him those two games to prepare for TCU and Oklahoma. I don't know if that's how Sarkeesian thinks or not because Sark is the quarterback guru. So I just, I think it's fascinating. I think it's close. Um, I think you can make an argument for Casey to start the season and see if he's still got the almost his job to lose. Yeah. But I think Hudson is the guy eventually because he's so damn talented as a, as a passer. 
Man, I may have to come down here for a couple of practices if I can before the season starts because it, one thing I like to watch, right? Like when we get in on a, on for a game, you know, if we can get in on a Thursday night and then go through walk, watch walkthrough on Fridays, is watch the guys that gravitate to them. You know, like uh, are guys gravitating toward Hudson right. or are the guys gravitating toward Casey? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the like, players uh, always know. You damn right. And and, and and even if the guy who may be starting, right? If the if if the other leaders of the team are kind of hanging out with the other guy, that's that may be the dude who should be in there. And but but you know what? Coaches see that stuff too. And then they're talking to their leadership council, you know. So to me, if one dude if it's if it's close, I always like going with a younger guy. I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. That's just me. And that's that's sort of the prevailing thing, right? I mean, it's gonna be fascinating. I mean, he last uh, at Alabama, he went with Mac Jones over over Bryant Young. Um, and but he'd had Mac Jones in the same system. Yeah, my, Mac, Mac, Mac didn't like the old saying now is, and I know we gotta run, but uh, I'll tell you I love this from uh, from Rick Neuheisel, who says now because of the transfer portal. If you're a four or five star quarterback recruit and you're not starting, then you're departing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, 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 I hate to even laugh at it, but it, it, it is funny because it's true. But Mac Jones was the exception to that rule. I mean, that, that dude stuck, stayed, and competed. I mean, he was behind Jalen Hurts and Tua and, he, and a five star recruit coming out of Ole Miss. And he easily could have gone and said, you know what? I'm seeking life elsewhere because I, I know I'm this good. No, no, no. He, he stuck competed, got better every day in practice, and now look at him. So whomever doesn't win that battle, I hope they continue to stick and fight, you know, because look how it turned out for a guy like Mac Jones who decided to, to stick, stay, and compete, and competition makes you better. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, just like this, uh, this conversation has been fascinating. Ian Fitzsimmons, he's the best. Um, check him out on Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Tonight on ESPN Radio. And, Late, baby. We'll get you home. And you got any Texas games on that schedule yet? Uh, well, we only have uh, through week three, man. So it's uh, Clemson, Georgia, and Charlotte. Then we go to the big house, uh, Washington and Michigan. Uh, and then you're not going to like this one, but I'm excited for it, man. We got a big old Big 8 rivalry. If Nebraska doesn't screw up against Illinois, Week zero, I got Nebraska at Oklahoma. Reunited, baby. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait to watch those two old rivalries get after it. Oh, that's uh, that's a beautiful thing. Ian, thanks so much for the time. You're the best, and uh, let's do it again soon. My brother, don't be a stranger, man. Love you, Chip. See you, bud. All right. For Ian Fitzsimmons, I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening to the flagship podcast interview. Uh, until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.